I'm Bill Ingram, and this is Welcome to Texas, a show about Texas history, lifestyle, and faith here in the Lone Star State. On today's show, we'll dive into the book of John and the wonderful story of God's forgiveness with the woman at the well. We'll hitch a ride on the first railroad in Texas, the Buffalo Bayou, Brazos, and Colorado Railway, and we'll remember the great Cajun fiddle player, Harry Schultz, and his awesome career. That's all coming up on today's Welcome to Texas. Hope On Demand is a brand new mobile app where you can see videos, listen to podcasts, read blogs, and articles to help you grow in your faith. Download the mobile app now on iOS and Android. Just search for Hope On Demand. Harry Schultz may have been forgotten in today's music world, but in the 1940s, he was one of the most popular artists of his day. Harry Schultz was best known for his version of what became the Louisiana National Anthem, Jolie Blonde. <laughs> Harry was the only artist to take a Cajun song into the top five on the Billboard music charts. My dad told me that Harry was much more than just a Cajun fiddle player, though. Dad said he loved Western swing and the blues, too. He was a very accomplished fiddle player, but of course he was known for his Cajun music. You see, my dad, Bill Ingram, fronted the Harry Schultz band through much of the 1940s. He traveled and toured with Harry Schultz all over Texas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma. Dad fronted his radio shows on KWKH in Shreveport, including the Louisiana Hayride, KVOO in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and WOAI in San Antonio, just to name a few of the major radio stations they did shows on. Dad also said the recording sessions were a hoot, too. Wish I could have been there. Hope on Demand has a brand new podcast called The Art of Friendship. It's hosted by my friend and author, Kim Weir. It's all about creating and keeping relationships that matter. Look for it now wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Art of Friendship. The Buffalo Bayou, Brazos, and Colorado Railway was the first railroad in Texas. It all began in February 172 years ago. The first 20 miles of track ran between Harrisburg and Stafford's Point, which is now the Houston area. So basically it ran from east of Houston to southwest of Houston. Remember, Houston was not the big city back in those days. Galveston was. The very first locomotive used for the Buffalo Bayou, Brazos, and Colorado Railroad was named after Texian General Sidney Sherman, one of the many heroes at the Battle of San Jacinto that won Texas independence from Mexico. The financial backers of the railroad expected it to develop Harrisburg into a larger city, but of course that didn't happen. However, it did fulfill other expectations. Today, Texas' first railroad is now part of Southern Pacific's transcontinental sunset route that runs between New Orleans and Los Angeles. The railroad ships heavy freight and is also part of Amtrak's Sunset Limited that runs west of Houston. Hope on Demand has a podcast called Anything But Quiet Time. It's hosted by my good friends Rochelle and Carter. Each week they have fun and insightful conversation about what they're learning in their quiet time. You can download it now wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Anything But Quiet Time. One of my favorite stories Jesus tells in the Bible is out of the book of John. It's John chapter 4. It's the woman at the well, and I'm reading this from the message. 
Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was high noon. A woman, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone on to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, said, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, and he and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, Go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped God at this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. What, when you're called, will not matter. Where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of the truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship Him must do it of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, Jesus said. You don't have to wait any longer or look any farther. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking to that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, Come see a man who knew about all the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went to see for themselves. In the meantime, the disciples pressed him, Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? 
He told them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. The disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months, it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in his grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with a harvester, triumphant. That's the truth of the saying. This one sows, that one harvests. I sent you to harvest a field you never worked. Without lifting a finger, you have walked in on a field, worked long and hard by others. Many of the Samaritans in the village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, We're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the Savior of the world. You know, friends, I think this is a wonderful story told by the book of John because it shows us no matter what we've done, no matter what our sin, God forgives us. He knows us. Nothing you've ever done will cause God to turn his back on you unless, of course, you turn your back on him and don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A life with Christ is very fulfilling and rewarding. It's also free. You don't have to send money anywhere. You don't have to pay anybody or anything for it. You don't have to do anything except receive Jesus Christ as God's Son, as your Lord and Savior. Does it guarantee a life with no problems, sickness, or struggles? Absolutely not. You're still going to have those. But it certainly makes life's challenges easier to bear. If you're ready to accept Jesus in your heart, it's easy. Just say this prayer, but mean it in your heart when you say it. God will know. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins so I could be forgiven. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Amen. It's that simple, friend. Say the sinner's prayer. Believe it in your heart. God loves you. Well, it's time for me to blow this popsicle stand. I'm Bill Ingram, and this has been Welcome to Texas, a show about Texas history, lifestyle, and faith here in the Lone Star State. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I hope you'll join me again for Welcome to Texas.